and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 2, Chapter 4, A Journey in the Dark, Exploring the Making of Choices as a Community. Some of us had had to make tough choices today, even. It's true. Uh, The things that we've sacrificed, dear listener, you might not know this, but I'm having Wi-Fi troubles. And we've uh, we've really had to make some concessions as to where I sit and how I record in order to make this happen. But here we are. The choice has been made. And I am excited to talk about today's chapter. Me too. I think it'll be, I think choosing and choice is a very interesting topic. And I had a lot of interest in today's chapter. So let's jump right in. And I would love to hear what story you chose. (laughs) to bring to the to the podcast today Anna take it away okay choice once upon a time when I was attending college I was living with three other roommates and we had a pretty good situation you know as much as you can with that many roommates it was just we had a good sort of status quo identified, a good community building. We were, you know, we'd spend some time together and some time apart, and it was working okay. And then one of my beloved roommates started seeing someone who I actually knew from high school. So it was nice because I kind of had this tie to my hometown regularly in our apartment. And then due to some circumstances, ultimately this person ended up moving in with my roommate, always with the preface it would be for a short term. And then sort of that short term became less temporary and less brief than I think the other roommates were really excited about. So as this situation continued, I sort of served as a go-between the couple who were close friends of mine now, of course, and then the other roommates who were increasingly frustrated with the situation. And ultimately, there was a, a meeting of the remainder of the roommates not involved in this relationship about asking my friend to move out. And I was elected the speaker. So I had to sort of choose my my moment and my words very carefully because I cared very much about this person. I thought it was the right decision that we had made as a group because it was causing a lot of friction in the apartment. But I still wanted to to be really tender and, and cautious in, in how the ask was made. So ultimately, I ended up sitting down with this person and just saying, you know, I love that you're here and I love that I get to see you more, but ultimately, you know, it's causing concern for for me and the remainder of the roommates. So if it's possible, you know, we'd we'd like for you to not be here, (laughs) (laughs) which wasn't quite the language I used, but I'm trying to even remember how I said it, but like, we'd like for you to, you know, to move out, we'll help you look for an apartment, or maybe I said I would help you look for an apartment, but really that the choice was, you know, you you can't stay here any longer. Your name isn't on the lease. This is a concern. And it was not a great moment 
in in that relationship but i think the the way that the conversation happened and the focus on the community concern of, of having this fifth roommate really was something that could be understood so ultimately that person did move out and it it did cause some heartache with my roommate who is dating this person but you know we we moved forward from that moment and it was the, it was the right decision to make and it ultimately allowed for, I think, a stronger community within the apartment and allowed for those relationships to be repaired a bit more than they had been during the time where this person was living with us. So a tough choice that I had to make when I was, I don't know, 20. <laughs> yeah, the dreaded roommate meeting, you know, being mm-hmm. called all together and we have something of import to discuss. But it's it's tricky because it it sounds like there you you all were really weighing the choice of valuing the community's needs first mm-hmm. or putting the need of this individual first. And there's no there's no right answer there. That's that's a difficult choice to make. And of of course you were nominated <laughs> to handle the most difficult conversation. I am not surprised by that. But it sounds like you all made the best decision with the choice laid before you. Ooh, well, that that's a great story, and I see a lot of parallels between the difficult choices that our company is making in this chapter mm-hmm. and the difficult choices that your company of roommates had to make in your early 20s, which is uh, just a fraught time. Yeah, generally, and then to have it be, yes, it was it was a choice. That, mm-hmm. that came to my mind soon after I was identified to tell this <laughs> story for today. <laughs> But okay, so with that said, we talked a little bit about, and you alluded to the choices that our company is making, but what what even happened in this chapter, Ellen? I love this chapter. I feel like things are picking up, and from here to the end of this book, it's just a mad dash of drama, action, etc. Yes. Which is great. That's what we're here for. So at the beginning of this chapter, if we remember, we've left our heroes defeated by Karatras, and... Now they need to decide what route to take next. So they're weighing all of that, the pros and the cons, when they are set upon by a pack of wolves. And by wolves, we mean wargs, which are like wolves plus evil. No ordinary wolves, servants of the enemy, is what Gandalf decides these super special wolves are. And the the wolves being set upon them sort of make the choice for them that they need to go to Moria. So they start for Moria, they get a bit lost, and it takes them a long time to find the gates to enter the mine and pass under the mountains. The stream that Gandalf was looking for uh, to mark the entrance has been dammed into a foul, unclean pool that they have to walk through in order to get to the gates, and Frodo has a vague fear of this body of water. So they make it to the gates. And there is a riddle to enter. Gandalf riddles out the password, but right as the door opens to enter the mines, many tentacles reach out and grab Frodo from this unclean pool. Bill the pony runs away in fear, and the entire company has to fight off the tentacles and just barely make it into Moria before the monster caves in the entrance and they are all shut in into the darkness. They start making their way through the dark. It's very treacherous. Gandalf is leading in shining light. 
And then as they're stopping for the night to rest, Pippin drops a rock into an old well and it makes a noise that echoes throughout the cave and awakens the drums. Tap, tom, tom, tap. And then as they journey almost all the way through the mine, they make it to the last day when they're scheduled to reach the exit. They come across Balin's tomb. And that is where we leave our heroes. Well described. Thank you. It's a favorite chapter. They're all favorite chapters at this point, but... Mm. <laughs> but this one in particular. But this one definitely. in particular, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What mm-hmm. I love, and this is something that I have noticed this reading around, is Frodo's like extra senses that he has gotten maybe from the ring or from being stabbed by the ring race, but he can sense evil and see in the darkness much better than the rest of the company. And it's something that I want us to pay attention to as we read the next few chapters, because it does come up again. It's very Horcrux hairy that like Mm -hmm. the thing that he's carrying is wearing off on him a little bit and really changing his abilities. Well, and it's interesting because the changes do feel either benign or almost advantageous, right? right? Like he has this additional sense. He can see a little bit more clearly. And I think that's particularly pernicious because there are these things that he's now permitted or able to do, which could sort of drag or incentivize a person to lean into more of the burden that comes with this evil talisman, essentially. Mm, mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of an interesting, like, it starts, like, this is how it starts. You know, first you can see at night, then you can sense (laughs) evil, then all of a sudden you're a servant of the Dark Lord and it happens really abruptly. (laughs) Ugh, a slippery slope if we ever did see one. That's right. Well, because there is so much happening in this chapter, I'd love to hear what examples you saw of today's theme while you were reading. Oh my gosh, there are so many. Mm, mm -hmm. I have so many notes, so (laughs) I'll try and be... I'll try and be succinct about this. Mm -hmm. So what I thought was interesting even is in the... On the first page of the chapter, the first time the word choice is used is Gandalf explaining to Frodo that they have no choice but to either continue on their journey or to return to Rivendell as they're sort of faced with the defeat of Caradras and whether they should soldier on or if they need to scamper back to, to safety. Then Frodo, faced with those two decisions, chooses to go on knowing that he may decide this against the benefit of or the interest of his companions, but it's like for the larger good carrying this this burden so i thought that was kind of an interesting first foray into the choices made right it's almost a false choice because as they point out in the book Mm -hmm. going back to elrond really isn't meaning that you're safe for forever it the, the darkness will still come and we will still be in danger but i do like that that gandalf reminds us of the stakes here and that it isn't really a a viable option to turn tail and head back to Rivendell, even if we all kind of want to. Right. I mean, Gandalf even says, you know, you are right, Frodo, said Gandalf, to go back is to admit defeat and face worse defeat to come. Mm -hmm. If we go back now, then the ring must remain there. We shall not be able to set out again. So sort of 
you have to make this choice and this choice has implications beyond just what's convenient or comfortable for you right in this moment. Mm -hmm. Right. So then the next choice sort of decision we see was on page 333 and Gandalf states, however it may prove one must tread the path that need chooses. So again, we sort of see this stacked decision-making that the company needs to accomplish. So Gandalf is essentially persuading the group to take the path to Moria after a quick brainstorming session, which he shuts down basically all Mm -hmm. of their ideas about how to get the ring either over, around, or through the mountain. And Frodo, who seems to be one of the choosers, one of the decision-makers, would prefer to sleep on it but of course that proves less restful than intended because of the the warg situation Mm -hmm. then on page 337 we see boromir sort of noting the choice that the group makes under gandalf's advice again is the best choice given the options available so he states all choices seem ill and to be caught between wolves and the wall, the likeliest chance lead on. So basically, of the options available, I guess this one is the best. And so let's let's do that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no one's really joyfully making the choice here. It's always like, which way would be less unpleasant to die? Like, that's kind of the stakes that we're playing with at this point. Right. And that really made me think about what it means to choose when your choices are all rather grim, right? Like, what does it mean? Yes, technically you are choosing something, but it's not like you have, oh, I can choose to take this very perilous path or I can choose to go back to Rivendell and be safe and comfy in that decision, right? Like, they all kind of come with this additional implication for the larger world. And to me, that feels a little more challenging to discuss it in the same way we would discuss, like, a free choice. Right, and that makes the the stakes even higher. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm interested what you think here. Is it a choice when you're being driven so clearly in one direction? You know, like the wolves are there. They're chasing. It's not like they can sit and deliberate. Mm-hmm. It's it's tough. It's it's a it's a difficult situation. I I, I thought about that as well. I, I think there are there are options, right? Mm-hmm. Like one could be we try and fight the wargs. The other is that we change the objective of this party, right? So Mm -hmm. instead of making a choice that is driven by where the ring needs to go, we make a safety-driven decision that changes how we evaluate the options available. And then the third is knowing that this is the purpose of our journey, now we need to make a decision. But I also think, and to not choose is also a choice. Mm, mm-hmm. Sometimes. Sometimes. So I was kind of thinking about that theme as well. You know, Frodo chooses to sleep on the decision, which is likely a good decision, but it's still a choice being made about the options laid in front of him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I don't envy any of the characters at this point. This is a lot of difficult decision making that they're working through. And we know that that can be quite fractious in this group who is new to one another Mm -hmm. and now being compressed by the situations, making high stakes decisions. That's sort of perhaps the most challenging way to, to choose something is to do so with strangers having put their faith in Gandalf, who is sort of serving as the steward of this group, Mm -hmm. and then having to do it with massively high stakes that hold the lives of many, I think is, is a situation that I hope many people do not find themselves in. Yeah, if they didn't have Gandalf here to guide their choice, mm-hmm. I think the the company, the community would fall apart. Mm-hmm. He seems really key here in, in helping to navigate these unpleasant choices. Well, and I think he, maybe rightfully or wrongfully, at least is presenting options, mm-hmm. right? So he's saying, okay, well, we can't go back if you want, but here's the ramifications. Here are the pros and cons to this mm-hmm. choice. Or we can continue, here are the pros and cons to that choice, right? So he's sort of forcing the hand of the company to make a decision as well, which, again, while the choice is kind of a gross one, I think it's a necessary one that I don't know, to your point, had Gandalf not been there, it would have been presented in that way. Mm -hmm. Right. Then on... 341, we sort of start the conversation, but then on 346, it continues. Gandalf also presents Sam the choice, but again, not really a choice, Mm -hmm. of leaving Bill behind, or Sam will have to choose between Bill and Frodo if he wants Bill to be sort of well cared for. And ultimately, as, as we see on page 346, Sam makes the decision to... Go with Frodo. Sam leaped after him, quote, and then hearing Frodo's cry, he ran back again, weeping and cursing. So the him in that quote is Bill dashing away when the Watcher is awoken. Yeah. Oh, this part always gets me. For some reason, like, anytime someone has to get rid of their animal, like, throwing stones at old Yeller, like, run away, dog. For some reason, Mm -hmm. that's just always the saddest thing to me and so I feel I really feel for Sam here and having to make this choice of what he thinks is abandoning Frodo or killing Bill right I think part of the reason why I have such a hard time with with those decisions is that I perceive animals to be without choice Mm, right like mm -hmm. they are a part of the group because someone deemed them so they don't have the ability to say yes i want to come on this very fraught journey or not although bill seems to be okay with it at least in the beginning yeah and so it feels that much more challenging than when it feels like you're maybe abandoning them to a, a hopeless fate because they didn't they didn't have the choice to to come with right it's not like pippin who said no i really want to come no matter what like he can make the autonomous choice to, mm-hmm. to come. And poor Bill didn't do it. Poor, and poor Bill, I mean, even if he had a choice, we know what Bill's home life was like. Mm-hmm. He was in a very um, abusive situation. And so, you know, the promise of leaving that felt like the right choice at that time. And so even if he had a free choice, I don't know that he would have made a different one. But it feels like that much more challenging, again, to say that that was a good decision. It was just the best decision of what was available to him at the time. Yeah. <laughs> poor little anthropomorphized Bill. Yeah. 
Okay, so then Boromir makes a choice to throw something into the pool of water. Uh, yes. Which disturbs it. So uh, on page 345, quote, he stooped and picked up a large stone. He cast it far into the dark water. Why? <laughs> I know. It's just like he's bored and he's like, well, I don't know. I guess I'll just throw sh. <sighs> it just seems so, like, of all of the other choices to make, it seems the most innocuous. Mm-hmm. But it also does seem very careless given how challenging the rest of the choices have been made. I was kind of thinking about how, like, we are often presented with small choices that may not seem like they have a literal or metaphorical ripple effect. But sometimes those choices can have the largest ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And to really be mindful about, even at, at some small moments why we choose to do something and whether that's the right choice for the moment. Yeah, it seems like this is something that he almost does without thought. You know, there's Mm -hmm. no choice. He just unthinkingly decides that it's a great time to show the hobbits how to skip rocks. Right. Which, like, come on, friend. We're we're in a a lot of duress right now. This isn't really an opportune time. Sir, please read the room. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, An error if there ever was one. Right. Okay, so then on page 349, we have just some some choices made within the group. Quote, often the wizard consulted him, meaning Gimli, at points where the choice of way was doubtful, but it was always Gandalf who had the final word. The minds of Moria were vast and intricate beyond the imagination of Gimli, Gloin's son, dwarf of the mountain race though he was. To Gandalf, the far-off memories of a journey long before were now of little help, but even in the gloom and despite all windings of the road, he knew whither he wished to go and did not falter as long as there was a path that led towards his goal. So Gandalf is consulting, but ultimately making all of the decisions it appears for the group as long as there's a path towards his goal. And I thought that was an interesting framing because goals often allow us to discern more clearly the choices we need to make if the goal, again, is is sort of that end objective. Whereas without a goal, sometimes it can be a lot more challenging to make a decision about what needs to happen next. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of this framework, and I'm not going to remember the acronym anymore, that we tried using at a job that I held once, where for each project or each goal, you would assign, like, this person is the approver, this person is the consulter, this person is the decision maker, and it, it like, outlines each person's role in completing the goal or the, the project at hand. It's called like matcha or something really millennial, but mm. it. I feel this is, it's kind of reminding me of this and I'm glad that the company has such clear division and who's doing what mm-hmm. because in, in this moment of really just extended crisis, I think it's helpful to have a clear set of who is deciding what and what each person's job is in order to meet with success. Right. I think that's an important distinction that in crisis, there isn't the flexibility or luxury of time Mm -hmm. in the way that we perceive maybe in in other situations. So often when you're going through a, a true crisis management situation, they usually want to appoint someone as 
this person is making all of the, the decisions. They are the point person. All information runs through them for this exact reason, mm-hmm. to try and simplify who do we go to clear the path and sort of make sure that that person is also aware of the role that they hold. I think there are there are pros and cons to it. I think in community, right, it becomes then really important for the person who is making choices to understand the strengths and the skills of those around them and to not take it upon themselves to make every decision as though they are the all-being knower. And, And we see that with Gandalf being willing to consult with Gimli on the path that they need to take. Mm -hmm. I think what it does bring to community is it brings stability Mm -hmm. in moments of crisis to have that one or one or two people at at the helm making the choices. Mm -hmm. It works well for the group here. Right. And then the last example that I saw is sort of the most the most theatrical or perhaps the most famous from the chapter is the group comes to three passageways which Gandalf cannot discern immediately the path. So he uses his context clues to determine a, a way forward. He story lords it, as it were. <laughs> and then the group continues to choose Gandalf as a leader, kind of based on his leadership thus far. So I was kind of thinking about how while Gandalf is leading, he can't be as effective if the group doesn't put their trust in him. Right. Yeah, the trust part is, is really key in getting the community buy-in. One, because you even know how to ask for the community buy-in, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you if you don't perceive yourself as a part of the community and then you just come in and start making decisions on behalf, one, to me, it seems like you're, you're always going to fall a little bit short because you haven't acknowledged the skills or the lives or the experiences of those around you. But then, two, you're also less likely to be effective in making decisions that may even be correct for the group because the group doesn't trust you because you haven't brought them into the fold to the extent that's appropriate. So I think that's something I, I took away from this chapter when thinking about, and our theme for next week, thinking about leadership as well. Right. Yeah, they, these two really play hand in hand as we see the dynamics of the group in Moria, choices mm-hmm. in leadership, and I'm looking forward to discussing it again with you next week. Yeah, absolutely. So those were my examples. Like I said, there were quite a few, but I really felt like I came away, like this is my new servant leadership. Yes. <laughs> Handbook mm-hmm. <laughs> is just this chapter and the next yes. uh, about what it can look like to make choices. <laughs> Gandalf in charge of the crew and Moria is how we should all strive to lead in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's right. Thank you for walking us through all of those different examples that you found in the chapter. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you didn't have to choose between only (laughs) sharing one or two and we were able to get through all of them. So from that discussion, what action item do you have for me and the listeners today to help us to strengthen our community? My action item is to reframe choices that you are making from the individual to the collective. So as you make a decision, think about how that choice helps the larger community. And remember, choosing to not act or to not speak is still a choice. It doesn't necessarily maintain neutrality. 
So, for example, maybe someone says something that makes you uncomfortable and you let it pass for that moment. Instead, sort of think about what that decision to not speak means and what it might mean to call that person in instead and what that means for the larger community. Even in that example, I'm kind of thinking you don't want to lose sight of your needs through that choice because maybe there's a safety concern that keeps you from speaking, but also make sure that you're you're continually pushing yourself just a bit outside of your comfort zone. That's where all of your learning happens. So and to reframe it as a as a collective need to, to have that happen. I think that's something built into different cultures. We are both in the United States, and I feel that we have a very individualistic culture, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to sometimes step back and remember the needs of the community. Mm -hmm. So thank you for inviting us to make that choice and to choose the community over the solo. That's right. Today's podcast was brought to you by ULCs, Unidentified Lake Creatures, Best Left Undisturbed. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Um, I also just want to share that I love this quote from the from the chapter. The wolf that one hears is worse than the orc that one fears. And then Aragorn yes! responds and says, but where the warg howls, the orc prowls. And I want it to be like a nursery rhyme that Middle Earthers are taught. <laughs> yeah, yes. And then on the on the opposite page, Gandalf cries fling fuel on the fire and i just felt like there was Mm -hmm. a lot of rhyming and alliteration happening Mm -hmm. here during a crisis right which just seemed like a weird time to be like yes (laughs) now is the time for poetry right yeah which is why it made me feel like it was like a like a nursery rhyme Mm -hmm. or like it's like like a a common saying yes we are yeah we all know that one That old chestnut, but where the warg howls, the orc prowls, Mm -hmm. like what? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, true. Sure it does.